17 and 18. Verse 16, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. As the King James would say, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Verse 17, Elijah, he encouraged them, prayer is powerful. Now he gives them an example. For example, Elijah was a man just like us. He adds that in there so that we won't get discouraged. Sometimes you can look at the supermen of the faith and almost say, well, who am I? But he makes that, he wants the people to know, listen, just like he got answers, you can get answers. He was a man just like us. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And you know what? It did not rain in the land for some three and a half years. He prayed again, and the heavens gave the rain, and the earth produced their crop. This last section we've been studying is the power and the privilege of prayer. The power and the privilege of prayer. And we've studied, number one, prayer for the suffering. That was verse 13, prayer for the suffering. Last time, prayer for the sick. That was verses 14 through 16. And tonight, prayer for the nation, verses 16, 17, and 18. Prayer for the nation. And if you see prayer for the nation, we're going to notice, let's see, the, the, the PowerPoint should be number five. Prayer for the nation. All examples of powerful and effective prayer. He gives us an example. He gives the church people an example and tells them, you can pray in a way that sees results. You can pray because prayer is powerful. And so he talks about an example. He talks about Elijah, and he says, he's a man just like us. You know, he prayed powerfully, but so, you, so can you. Amen? And then he says, now notice these things about Elijah. He, he was a righteous man, and he was a man that prayed earnestly and persistently. And so really, if we meet the conditions, we can expect the similar results, same results. Amen? Because we're praying to the same God, aren't we? We're praying in the name of Jesus, aren't we? So again, here we go. We're going to look at this. Again, James reminds the readers of the great power that they possess in prayer. The great power they possess in prayer. And then this gives them an encouragement and exhortation that they should pray. Take advantage of the privilege you have in prayer. Understand how powerful it is, but don't waste it. You know, take advantage. Use this great privilege we have in prayer. It's powerful and it's working. And then again, he talks about Elijah. We want to note, number one, your prayers can bring results, but you got to pray them, Amen. Your prayers are powerful and effective, but they're not if you don't pray them. And so again, um, stay clean, pray strong, pray believing, pray with expectation, but you've got to pray them to get them. Elijah, in this context, was praying for the nation, a nation that was backslidden, a nation that needed to come back to God, a nation that was under judgment because of their backslidden ways, and a nation that needed rain. But he prayed for the nation. James cites Elijah as an example of a righteous man whose prayers release power. And I think that's beautiful. You know, we, we encourage the prayer group on Tuesday. We encourage them as Jesus taught about the importance of forgiveness. And he talked about a parable of a man that received forgiveness from the master, but then wouldn't give forgiveness to one of his fellow workers. And Jesus, you know, that person, he, that's how God treats us when we don't forgive. You know, we, we can hinder the working of God in our lives if we don't keep ourselves pure. And one thing I said to the prayer people, prayer is such a powerful ministry. Make sure there's nothing in you that hinders its working. Prayer is a powerful, and those that know how to pray can move heaven and earth. That's the power of prayer. 
But make sure we never get like Samson, we just go through the motions. and didn't know the spirit had gone, shake ourselves like we did before. Because it's more than what I say, and it's more than how I act. If my vessel's not pure, I can hinder the working of God's spirit. But when you and I realize what a privilege we have, what power there is in prayer, when we come boldly before that throne, it should say something, you know what, I want to keep myself a vessel that God can flow through. I don't want to disqualify myself from the Spirit interceding through me and working through me. So again, James says this prayer is powerful and effective. It's a prayer of effort, of energy, of earnestness. And the background, remember the story, three and a half years of drought, old wicked King Ahab and his Baal worship. And the prophet said, because of your wickedness, there's going to be a, there's going to be a drought, famine in the land. And nothing will happen until I say it again. Three and a half years goes by. There is a confrontation between Elijah, representing the true and living God, and the prophets of Baal. Remember that? The God that answers by fire, he let him be God. And Elijah prays that prayer, and boom, I mean the fire came. I mean the prophets of Baal, they jumped up and down. They did all their charismatic up you. They did all that. You, you can act, but results are where's the beef amen where's the beef remember that commercial so you you can act and you can sweat and you can but the bottom line is where's the fruit where's the results they didn't have any because they're praying to a dead god but then elijah he didn't he just prayed that short powerful prayer god returned them back to you and man the fire fell i mean it was powerful but still needed the rain still a drought still a famine and so he goes and prays and that's where we see that he prays he prays for the nation that God would end this drought, and seven times he goes back, amen? And finally sees that little cloud. But the thought here is, you know what? Our, our nation needs the rain too, doesn't it? As he prayed for his nation, we need to keep praying for our nation. Our nation needs the, the, the rain, doesn't it? The, the, the rain of revival and repentance and awakening. Uh, we, we, need, we need the rain. We need the rain. And one of the first responsibilities we have as men and women of prayer is to pray for our nation and pray for its leaders. Very quickly, let's go to 1 Timothy 2. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 3. Let's look at that together. But he's praying for the nation. We're going to learn something not only about how we pray, that's important. If we want results like they had in the Bible, we should follow the pattern and the principles they followed in the Bible. Amen? I mean, that's why God saw fit to record it so we could learn from it and learn from these people. So we're learning from this. But also, let's notice he prayed for his nation. And it's very easy to criticize a nation and not pray for a nation. And if you find yourself criticizing the country more than praying, you're in sin. Come on. I urge you then, first of all, I mean, first of all is, first of all, first of all, that request or supplications, prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority. Now let's hang on for a second. Who is the king? Nero. He, he makes our modern presidents look like um, Sunday school choir boys. He was wicked. He was vile. He was anti-Christ. He was anti-everything. But he says, first of all, we need to pray for him. Well, you're going to pray. Well, how about he gets saved? That might be a good thing. You can pray for their salvation. Certainly pray for their wisdom. I know it's easy to have all the answers when you're just sitting in front of the TV watching the news, but it's a whole other thing when you've got to make decisions and you've got to handle some complex problems. Amen? And one of the ways the church forfeits its savor 
is when we refuse to pray for those in authority. Amen? The salt loses its savor, it's good for nothing. And one we kind of forfeit it by refusing to pray. Because the Bible teaches us if we're going to be a blessing to our land, we need to pray for our leaders. Lord, get them saved if they're not saved. Lord, surround them with good and godly counsel. Lord, help them to judge with wisdom and righteousness. Help them to know the fear of the Lord. Amen? And so first of, I urge you then, first of all, request prayers, intercessions with thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. And the next line talks about who wants all men to be saved. Amen. And come to the knowledge, right? Isn't that right? You see, so our prayers can help create a peaceful, a quiet life where the gospel can go forth and there can be freedom of worship. And we can do our duty of, of reaching the lost souls. We need to pray for our leaders. And, and again, so number one, we're going to pray for the nation, pray for our leaders. We'll go to um, Proverbs, Proverbs. What's my verse on Proverbs? Just toss it up and save me my little walk. Here we go. Because the Bible says that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. So we pray, Lord, Lord, number one, get them saved if they're not saved. But secondly, Lord, surround them with good godly leaders. Surround them with good advisors. Keep them from those that are deceived and defiled. Keep them from the wicked philosophies of the age. You know, you know God, the Bible says, the heart of the king's in God's hands. He used some wicked people, if you read your Bible. I mean, there's some Nebuchadnezzar's and Cyrus and all these, these guys were pagan 101. But God said, I can still steer their decisions. If my people will pray, I can use them to do my work in the earth. Wow. But if we don't pray, receive not because you ask not. And one of our responsibility as the people of God is to pray for our leaders in the natural. That God will help them and God will use them to do his will. And that God will keep them from hearing the voice of the wicked and the crazy philosophies of a fallen world. And God will help them to govern in righteousness and Proper justice. But that's part of, that's our responsibility. The Bible says, first of all, I urge you, first of all, before we pray for Aunt Martha's Bunyan, before we pray for, pray for our leaders. Our leaders need help, don't they? They need help, man. Oh, they need help. All right. We're going to pray for our nation. You know, we're all familiar. Second Chronicles 714, if my people which are called by my name, will humble themselves and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. God will hear and God will answer and God will reign. What a beautiful thought. But if we don't pray, he doesn't answer. If we don't seek his face, he won't release his showers. If we don't turn from our wicked ways, he won't heal the land. So there's a lot of responsibility that is entrusted to the people of God that know better, that have the revelation of the word. Let us be obedient to do our part as salt and light in the earth. And everybody says, Amen. We notice something else about, again, the, the power of prayer, um, not only for our nation, but, but for others, just one another. If you would, Romans 15. Go to Romans 15. Interesting little verse here, and it's kind of towards the end of Romans, so if you're just finishing up Romans, you might be tempted to skim certain verse. I know you would never do that. But, you know, you might skim a verse and you might miss a treasure. You know, there's, there's some nuggets 
in this word of God. Amen. I mean, the word's great, but sometimes, you know, you get to these, you see names and your eyes go, oh boy, a bunch of names and you turn it up. But there's sometimes there's good stuff here. Now notice this in verse one, Paul says, I urge you brothers by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the spirit to join me in my struggle. We, we can join a brother's struggle. We can join a sister's struggle. Well, how do we do that? By praying to God for me. You, you know, we, we can join people's struggle by doing practical things, obviously, right? Offering them a ride. Maybe sitting with them if they need someone to sit with them. Sometimes if they're down, we can send a card of encouragement. There's things we can do. But, but notice... I love that. I think the King James is going to say, strive together with me. You can join in my striving. You can join in my battle. How do I join? How, do, how can I help you? And I know recently, you know, as I pray for one, one family, they got a bad report. And, and you know, they're going to face it. You've got to face it. It's, it's not going away. And you can't put your head in the sand. But as I prayed, I said, Lord, just give them special grace and strength to go through this storm. Just give them. But you can't run from everything. Amen. And as much as we pray, we can't deny it. Reality hits us. Ready or not, here we come. But Lord, give them grace. And as we pray like that, we can, we can join with them in that struggle. We, we can put strength in them through our prayers. But I like this, how Paul said this. It's so important to pray like this. Join with me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I might be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service in Jerusalem will be acceptable to the saints there. Pray for his protection. Pray for his production. That's pretty good, amen? When people are going through it, Lord, protect them. And Lord, make them fruitful even through the hardest times. And that's what he says here. Share in his struggle. And then, you know, when we share in people's struggle, God will let us, how many believe in sowing and reaping? I do. It's in the Bible. I believe it, Amen. Well, you know, not only can we join in their struggle, we can join in their refreshing. Not only will we join in the battle, when they get a victory, God will splash in victory. But look, look at this, verse 32. So that by God's will I may come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. Man, we join in their struggle, we join in their refreshment. One of the ways we can really help our brothers and our sisters is to pray for them. You want to join in their struggle? Yes, it's good. Send them a card of encouragement. Yes, it's good. If you can do something practical, that's awful helpful. But I'll tell you what, you can pray for them and say, Lord, give them strength to go through this. Lord, give them your peace to go through this. And you can really, if you'll pray with all your heart, you can help them go through their time. And God will bless you for that. Because not only will you join them in their struggle, God says, you know what? You can join them in the refreshing. God says, I'm going to splash some blessing on you when they walk in that blessing. So let's look at this a little closer now. Paul or James is talking about the importance and the power you and I have as people of prayer. So let's look at this. The explanation of Elijah's power is twofold here. Number one, he's a righteous man. He's got to walk with God, amen? Didn't say perfect, but he's striving to please God. He's striving to walk with God. He was a righteous man, and he prayed earnestly. We don't just say prayers, we pray. We don't just go through the mechanics of being religious. We sincerely commune with God and call on God, intercede for others. And so again, in this, what James is saying, he's assuring these young Christians, his readers, that such answers to prayer are also within their reach. 
Not just people like Elijah, Moses, and Samuel, and David, but, but any Christian that will really call on the name of the Lord and be righteous and pray earnestly can see the power of God released in their lives. Terrible thing not to take advantage of such a privilege as prayer. Amen? When, when you can change the heart of kings and not use such a privilege, what, what a terrible, terrible thing. If we meet the conditions... So righteousness, earnestness, and persistence. So if we're going to be effective people of prayer, we want to think about the things like the discipline of prayer, the diligence of prayer, the determination of prayer. Be determined to receive. Be determined to persist until you prevail. Like Jacob of old, I won't let you go until you bless me. Amen? He persisted there. And I think about how that, that Canaanite mother that just kept coming to Jesus. And it even seemed like Jesus was trying to you know, discourage her. But really, he was just trying to lift up her faith to another level. And the disciple, deacons, and they said, get rid of her. But she kept coming. There's a persistence in that. So let's, let's notice here. If you, um, fervent, earnest prayers make a difference. Fervent, earnest prayers make a difference. A righteous man, but a man like us. Earnestly, he prayed in his praying. There was energy in his prayers. Now, if you would, go to Luke 11, and let's look at Jesus. Jesus kind of gives us an example. Similar, James is saying, you know what? Persevering, fervent prayer produces. Fervent, energetic, earnest prayer. Sincere prayer produces results and answers. And, you know, and again, Elijah... And what do we say about Elijah? He's a righteous man. I mean, you, you can't be living like the devil and expect to get any, much of an audience with God. Amen? All right. But, but he, prayed, he prayed earnestly. That means he was sincere. He really meant it. He had compassion. He had a burden. He had a faith. He prayed earnestly. And he prayed persistently. As you remember, before that rain came, seven times, seven times. Right? Go back again. Go back again. Whew. A lot of people quit after that third time. But he kept going and going until he saw it. We think he, Jesus, in Luke 11, is going to give us a similar example of how you and I can pray effectively. Because I want to pray effectively. How about you? I don't want to just pray. Again, if I'm praying about something, because I can't do it. I don't need to pray, Lord, help me take the garbage out. I can handle that all by myself. Amen? Don't need your prayer. Call the prayer line. Pray for me. I'm driving into Lakeland. Listen, I can drive to Lakeland all by myself. Got enough faith to handle that. Amen? So if I'm going to pray about something, it's something bigger than me. it's something I need help from God. So I want to know how to get an answer. Because I've learned there's a right way to do things and there's a... And God doesn't just bless us because he he, he feels sorry for us, you know. He's given us the principles and the clear commands and instructions in his word. And as we follow the pattern of the scripture, we can enjoy the promise of the scripture. So again, not only James encourages us using Elijah as an example of how you and I can also be men and women of effective prayer. Follow that example. And here's Jesus now. He's going to do the same thing. And just to support what James is saying, look at Luke 11. And look at verse 5. Let's start with verse 5. Luke 11. This is, this is a real wonderful, this half of this chapter here. Um, Jesus is emphasizing the same point that James was expressing. And if you look at Luke 11... It starts out with the, the, the priority of prayer. The pri- verse 1, priority of prayer, right? One day Jesus is praying, and when he gets done, his disciples say, Lord, teach us how to pray. 
It's never recorded if, he, if they said, teach us how to cast out demons or teach us how to heal. But they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Because God put a priority on prayer, didn't he? Jesus had prayer as a priority. So after the priority, then there's the pattern, and that's what we call the Lord's Prayer. Then he goes on and, you know, um, hallowed be thy name, and he gives us the pattern. But then he talks about the persistence of prayer, and that's what we're dealing with now. So if you see verse, verse 5, Jesus tells him a story. He said, now suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Because a friend of mine is on a journey, he's come to me, and I've got nothing to set before him. The one on the inside answers, don't bother me. The door's locked, my children are in bed, I can't get up and give you anything. Verse 8, Jesus says, I tell you that though he will not get up and give him the bread because he's his friend, yet because of the man's, NIV is going to say boldness. New King James, persistence. The Bible says he will. I like that. He will. See that? He will. You see, you can pray your patty cake prayers all you want. But Jesus is saying, if you want to get some answers, you've got to learn how to persist and press in and pray like you mean it. Because that's the, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Isn't that beautiful? New King James, persistence, impudence. Uh, it, it pretty much says it like this. Jesus urges a boldness or persistence. And then he gives the assurance that God will answer it. But I like that. It brought results. It, it, it's like this. It conveys the idea of urgency, this word. Because of his persistence. Urgency, audacity, earnestness, boldness. Even relentlessness. You ever pray relentless? I mean, I mean, I got to get an answer, God. I won't let you go until you bless me. I won't accept this report. I won't accept that condition. You're bigger than this. You're better than this. Your Bible tells me so. I won't let you go until there's a breakthrough. There's got to be some, some ability, tenacity of prayer. To draw near and hang on and believe God and trust God. And the note that Jesus is really bringing out is, hey, listen, if a tired, grouchy neighbor will give, how much more a loving Heavenly Father if persistence paid off with a reluctant friend, how much more? The great God and the compassionate Savior. See, see again, um, again, you, you see, you get this, this, this boldness, this persistence, like Abraham when he was interceding for Lot, Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember that? He just kept going back, kept going back. He just, he just, he kind of like, you know, like wouldn't take no for an answer. He just kept going more and more and more. And again, how about, I like that, that Syrophoenician one, the same thing, the same thing with her. But again, Jesus says, we have not because we ask not. But the asking of the Bible is much more than just making a casual request. There's a burden, there's a tenacity, there's a, there, there's a persistence, there's a faith that's involved in this. So now you look at, if you would, now go to verse 9. Verse 9, after Jesus says, because of his boldness, because of his persistence. And then he gets down to 9 to 13. He talks about the promises. So I say to you, this is the next line. So I say to you, because I give you the principle that prayers that get answered, there has to be a persistence behind them. There has to be a seriousness behind them. He says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, 
receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. You know, you, you can go through, and in the next few verses we'll read in just a bit, but you can go through, and that word ask, over and over again, the word ask. God wants us to ask, doesn't he? It's the law of the kingdom, asking. God said, ask. how many times did he say ask here? He's trying to get through to us. I want you to ask, because I want to give. I want you to ask, because that's how I've wired the laws of my kingdom. So again, God wants us to ask. And we notice here, we've, we've, we've taught this before, so we know this. Ask and it will be given. The, the tenses of these verbs are important because it's keep on asking. It's keep on seeking. It's keep on knocking. Don't pray once. Must not be God's will. Press in. Hang on. Pray through till you feel that thing, till you see that thing. Again, each word kind of um, ask, seek, knock. And you see, it increases in intensity also as you're pursuing to get that answer. Concerning a specific need, press through. Concerning your prayer life with God, press through. Press through. Don't come to God only at midnight emergencies, but keep that constant communion with the Lord. Pray without ceasing. Abide in the vine. Make sure you daily commune with the Lord. Now we notice here, so Jesus, just like James, James says, listen, there's power and there's a privilege in prayer, but there's a way to tap into the power of prayer. God gives us principles of how we can receive from him. He gives us principles of how to live in order to please him, doesn't he? That's why we read the book, we study the book, we want to be instructed and taught so I can build my life according to the word of God. Or if I want to find something out, I I go to the direction manual. How, How does that work? And we study the lives of these men and women that God used in the ministry of prayer. And we see the things God applauds. Then we see the things God's instructing. So James, he's trying to teach this young church, number one, prayer is powerful and effective. If you're going to stop anything, don't stop praying. You you can stop the um, church bocce ball league or or, or tennis league or whatever. You can stop a lot of things. Don't stop the praying. You see, you, you, you can ignore this or that. That's all right. I tell my boys when they get in their jobs, I say, master your craft. You don't have to master your hobbies, but master your craft. Whatever's going to put a roof over your head and, and feed your babies, you master that thing. You know that thing in and out. You don't have to be great at hobbies. That's what hobbies are for. You don't have to be great by that thing. Amen? And there are certain things. Jesus talked about the weightier matters in the law. There are certain things that are more important than other things in the kingdom of God. And prayer is one of them. And that's why James is saying to this young church, learn to pray. You might not grasp everything out there, but boy, if you learn to pray, you can see results, and you live in a wicked world. We still live in a wicked world, but we need to pray. We need to know how to touch God. We need to know how to get God's answer. And so he says, number one, let me give you Elijah as an example. He's a righteous man. You want to be a person that sees answers to your prayer? Live right. Live sincerely for the Lord. But, you know, but he prayed, actually, how it's written there in James, it's a weird Greek thing. He prayed in his praying. It's a hard to interpret. He prayed in his praying. I mean, he prayed when he prayed. He didn't just say prayers. He prayed. And his Bible says earnestly. Amen? With energy. He meant it. And he prayed persistently. I mean, seven times. You know, there's spiritual resistance to our prayers, isn't there? 
There, there's human resistance. I mean, there's things to overcome. That's why we don't, can't just pray the one. We pray and believe and pray and pray. But James says, here's a good example. But if you can learn this, Elijah was a powerful man of prayer, but you know what? He was just a man, just like us. I like that. Has a nature just like us. And that should encourage us. If he got a hold of God, we can get a hold of God. Amen? We're coming in the name of Jesus. We're going through the blood. We go to the throne of grace. And Jesus tells a similar story. Amen? He taught about the priority of prayer, the pattern of prayer. But he says, don't forget the persistence of prayer. Don't forget the persistence of prayer. And he talks about that man coming at night, knocking on that door. And he says, even though he's his friend, he's not getting up because he's his friend. He's getting up as he won't stop knocking. He's making noise. He's, he's being imprudent. I mean, he's just being, he, he's forgetting all social custom, no decor. He's getting his attention. And Jesus said, now listen, if a grouchy old neighbor will get up, how much more a heavenly father that loves us with an everlasting love, that knows every hair lack thereof, and wants to bless his children, Amen. But persistence. And, then, and then, to, then to solidify that story. Next verse. He said, therefore, I tell you, ask. And it shall be good. Ask and keep on asking. Seek just like that. Keep knocking. You keep seeking. You keep knocking. Because whoever asks will receive, seek, will find. Amen? Amen. And then look. He, he goes on, verses 11, 11 and 12. And it's beautiful here. You know, because God loves us. Because God knows us and loves us, we never have to be afraid of how God will answer us. Let's look at this together. Verse 11. I'm going to tell you, this has helped me so much through the years. Especially when I was younger. When you're younger and you're taking steps of faith. When you're going into unfamiliar territory, you're leaving things that were comfortable and you're accustomed to and they're secure and safe and you feel God's taking you and you really feel it's God yet there's that natural part you know and you know you really sought God and things are you know these verses have encouraged me because when the devil would try to sway I say oh no Lord you know I sincerely sought you I've even sought godly counsel like the Bible teaches and I feel the witness that this is of you you wouldn't do this and then give me a stone I'm your son my earthly father sure wouldn't do that. You know what I mean? And you're much greater. And look what it says here. Which of you fathers, if your son asked you for a fish, would give him a snake instead? We wouldn't do that. Most of us fathers give him the shirt off our backs. That's, that's, that's the love we have for the kids, right? It might come with a lecture, but they'd get it in the end. It's a, it's a, you know, that's how you swap. You gotta, you gotta get the lecture. But when you, if you stick around, if you, if you look good and don't, during the lecture, you, you're gonna get the shirt. All right. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. In verse 13, if you then, though you're evil, though we're just human, frail, human beings, if we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more? I love the how much more. They get me happy. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Wow. So again, because God knows us and loves us, We never need to be afraid of the answer that he gives us. So we can pray and trust God, can't we? We can seek and believe God. He's a good God. He's a good God. All right, let's keep pressing. Let's keep pressing here. I like this. One commentator put it like this. 
the energetic prayers of a righteous man are a potent force in calling down the power of God. I like that. The energetic prayers of a righteous man are a potent force in calling down the power of God. Amen. Earnest, persistent, enduring prayers. Let me give you one more scripture, at least one more. Um, Go to Colossians 4 and verse 12. Colossians 4 and, and verse 12. And here's another one of those verses. It might slip by you because it's a tail end of a short book. But it's a, it's, a, it's a powerful little verse here. It gives us some insight again. Again, I want insight, right? You, you know, you ever, I don't know what field you're in, whatever field you're in, if there was someone that was really good at that, you, you wanted to know what made them tick. You know, if you were into this sport or you were into music or you were into science and there was a hero in that field and you could get near him, you'd, you'd want to glean from him, wouldn't you? You'd want to say, man, how did he do that? How did they do that? How do they move in that? Because you want to learn from them, right? Well, like, when I, when I, you, know, you want to see the power of God in your life. You want to see the blessing of God in your life. So I'm always saying, oh, Lord, how, how did these people function? Amen? How did these people get to the place where you applauded their efforts? Or you answered or used them so mightily? And so that's why we study these things. I want to see, and look, look at this. Colossians 4 and verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends his greetings. Here it is. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. Now, listen, New King James. He's always laboring fervently. Amen. You know, to the modern ear, I know old school used to know how to pray. New school, I don't know. They wouldn't, they wouldn't describe a lot of prayer as laboring. Anything that's uncomfortable, they think is not of God. But think of the new King James, laboring fervently, equating his intercessions. It's work, amen? I don't know if you've ever really spent time really praying. I mean really going to town for souls and really going to town for situations. It's spiritual labor. You can leave that thing exhausted trying to pray through. And again, think about new King James, always laboring fervently. NIV, he's always wrestling, and wrestling is one of the most exhaustive sports there is. When you get done, you just, you, you, every, everything, you just, at all. Wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Let's talk about this a little bit. New American Standard says, he's always laboring earnestly, laboring earnestly for you in prayer. New King James, laboring fervently for you in prayer. In the NIV, always wrestling for you in prayer. Now this man, Epaphras, he had founded the church. He's the one that founded this church. He came out of Paul's ministry, founded this church, and he had a special love and burden for these people. You know, when you have a special love and burden for the people, you really, you're really moved to pray. They're on their mind all the time, amen? When you really, you know, if you've ministered to people, and God's really used you in their lives, uh, you, you, they're on your heart a lot. You pray for them when you wake up at night. Amen? You, you, you pray for them and when you're just... And so we notice here, number one, notice about Epaphras, number one, he prayed constantly. It starts out, starts out he is always, he is always, pray, always. There's an always. You know, when there's a burden, you, you know, I don't know about you, I, I don't think you just pray for your kids once a year. 
Anybody? You just pray for your kids once a year? No. Amen? Sometimes you got to knock it. Say, i got to stop thinking about this. i got to stop praying about this. You know, because they're, they're on your heart so much. Isn't that right? All right? You can't, get the, you can't get the Ukraine out of your heart, right? It's before you. You wake up at night and you think, you know, I mean, that's when something's on your heart. And so again, here, this great, this great Epaphras, this man of God, who's known for his effective prayers. He's known to be such a man of prayer that God puts him in the book as an example. And the example of someone that prays effectively, he's wrestling in prayer for you. Man, he's exhausting himself to pray for you. And so again, notice, he prayed constantly, always. He's faithful in prayer, constantly, and then he prayed fervently. And that's the interesting part here, that word wrestling, or again, the, the word um, laboring earnestly. It, it's the, the word, it's where we get the English word agonize. It's agonizo in the Greek, agonizo. So it looks like agonize. And, I mean, again, when you're really praying for something, you can get into a place of agonizing. In fact, the, the same word in the Greek is the word that's used when our Lord is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Luke 22, where it says he's in anguish. And he prayed more earnestly. And like sweat, like drops of blood fell. Same word. So it's really talking about getting serious when you pray. Amen? Getting serious when you pray. And praying with an earnestness and an energy and a compassion and a sincerity. He prayed constantly. He prayed fervently. Again, the, the Greek word was used a lot of times to describe the athlete that gave himself fully. I mean, he left it all on the field. Amen. He, he left, he exhausted himself. And that's the word there for our prayers. And you know, some people, again, if they weren't raised in old school, Bible, Pentecost, but real Bible teaching, they have no concept of intercessory prayer. Their prayer is limited to put me on the prayer list. Their prayer for me. But drawing near and just staying in God's presence and wrestling for answers and interceding with groanings that cannot be uttered. Very foreign, very foreign in this day and age. That's why sometimes you can see huge churches in places, but the morality don't change anything in a city and doesn't affect our salt, has very little influence. <laughs> you, you would think with all those sheer numbers, there'd be more influence to affect. We're talking about the power of prayer. Epaphras, Epaphras, Note, not only was he devoted, you know, the fourth chapter, verse 2, it says, be devoted to prayer, but he prayed with earnest, strong pleadings. He agonized in spiritual effort for this congregation. He so loved these people that, that Paul says he's, he's like he's wrestling in prayer for you. He's laboring in prayer. He didn't just say a prayer. Oh, Lord, bless the church of Colossae. He's calling them by name, thinking about them personally, lifting them before the throne, Constantly, fervently, and he prayed. He prayed for them personally. Again, verse 12, for you, for you. He's praying for you. He's praying for that church. He's praying for that individual. He's praying for that family. That's important when we pray. Pray for pray specifically. Bring their name personally before the throne of God. Get, get away from the you know bird shot. Get some bullseye. Amen. And personally, and definitely. And look at how we prayed. I, I find this amazing. And I think this, along with a lot of the Apostle Paul's prayers that we can study, sometimes I read them, and it kind of, you know, kind of, um, 
oh, chastise me a little bit. But we get caught up praying for a lot of things. And a lot of things do need to be prayed about. But I'll tell you what, uh, you read Paul's prayers, or I'll show you what he was praying here. And I stop and say, Lord, it's been too long since I prayed that prayer for the people. We get so busy praying from one doctor's appointment to the other that the most important things, not that those things aren't important, but the most, look at what he's praying here. Again, this is just in the book. Amen? You reading the Bible? I'm reading the Bible. Come on, let's look at this together. What he, what, what's he praying here? He's, what's, I mean, what's he so seriously praying about? I mean, again, he, he's not, what's he, he, he is sweating. Amen? Well, what's the big deal? Here it is. That um, the people may stand firm in all the will of God and be mature and fully assured. Wow, what a, what a thought. Isn't that interesting? Lord, help the people to mature in you. Help the people to grow up in you. Help us to die to the old nature and those old habits. Help us to be people that know how to walk in the love of God and the unity of the Spirit. Help us to be a people that are sensitive to your voice and have your burden for our community and for our lives. Help us to grow up, Lord. Help each one of us to get deeper. And you read some of the, the prayers that Paul prayed, that we might know the height and the depth of God's love. Oh, man. You know, we could learn that. I'll tell you what, we'd get, we'd get victory in a lot of areas just to have a, a real revelation of the love of God for each one of us. Whew, man. So many people, I'll tell you, that'll set you free from certain things that try to oppress you and depress you and discourage you. The refresh revelation of the love of God and his depth and his height. And Paul prayed all that, right? That we might know him and the power of, oh, my. So again, he prayed constantly, fervently. The key is fervently, because that's what James was getting at. The fervent prayer of a righteous man. Don't just say prayers. Pray in your praying. Don't just be mechanical in your prayers from the heart. Bring your burdens and your needs before the Lord. From your heart, when you're interceding, which means praying for someone else, you speak to God on behalf of others. Pour out your heart. Ask with a sincerity. I never forget, you know, when we would pray a lot of times at the altar with Brother Shambach, and you'd have a lot of people getting saved, and then he'd have everyone pray, and he said, listen, I want you to pray for them just like that's your son up here, or it's your daughter. And that makes it different, doesn't it? It's one thing to pray, but all of a sudden when you realize, you know, that could be my parent in that hospital. That makes you be a little more compassionate, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Right? Doesn't it? And then when all of a sudden you think, hey, you know what, that, that could be my kid. And all of a sudden, isn't that right? So personally, definitely, sacrificially, sacrificially, that goes into verse 13 where it says, I, I vow she's working hard for you. Working hard, I think the, 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 in the New American Standard, he's deeply concerned for you. New King James, he's got a great zeal and a burden. He's got a burden for your heart. And I said, oh, isn't that beautiful? We're going to pray for them. Pray. So, let's move on just really, really quick. I'm going to wind this down here as I look at the clock. If you would, Acts, Acts, Acts 12 and verse 5. Acts 12 and verse 5. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's it. The, the Lord wants us to recognize the privilege that all of us have in prayer. And prayer is powerful and effective. Amen? But I got to pray the prayers if God's going to answer the prayers. And then God gives us in the Bible, and we can study men and women of prayer from Genesis to Revelation. 
But he gives us these examples so we can learn the prayers that, how, how to pray effectively. Amen. God's given us a secret. He pulls back the veil. He's revealed in his word. So we can study these men and women and imitate their faith as we should. That's why it's in there. And so James wants to get that point across to the young believers. Says, you know, if you can get a young believer to get his prayer and devotion life and be faithful at God's house, he'll make it. Amen? I don't got to know all the facts and figures. don't have to know the mysteries of revelation. But, but if he can just get these things and the foundation, right, he's going to make it. And if you can just get the right things, the foundation stones, and right? What do they say? Big doors swing on little hinges. So if you can get these little things together, the faithfulness to God's house, get your devotion, studying the Bible and developing that prayer life. If you can get those things, trust me, everything else will swing. Everything else, revelation will come. You'll sit in Brother Gary's class someday and he'll teach you all about what's going on in the end times. You'll learn that, but down the road. But but if you get these three, amen, and you learn how to get a consistent prayer life, then you learn to get deeper in that prayer life. You start out with that ankle stuff. Before you know it, you're swimming in it, amen? You really learn how to pray through and get answers. You start out reading that book and, you know, every Sunday you'll have six questions, you know what I mean? Just, just from Psalm 1, you know, you, you got all these questions. But after a while, you'll start to learn and grow. And it would give you years, you'll be teaching a class instead of being the, the newbie in the class. If you can just get these little things, but important things, in the foundation. And from there you grow. Amen? Look at this. Remember when P- Peter was in prison? Remember Herod? Well, he, he, he killed, does he kill James? He had James beheaded? And Peter's in prison? And it looked like the same thing was going to happen? So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. They weren't just praying, amen? They had no congressman to call, so they couldn't call their congressman. They, 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 they didn't have any, you know, they couldn't get a lawyer. It didn't work that way. The only thing they could do is appeal to the highest throne of all. And they prayed. Isn't that right? And they prayed. Remember what happened because they prayed? God sent an angel. Miracle of miracles. I mean, the chains dropped off. I mean, the doors opened wide. I mean, of course, when Peter got there, they couldn't believe it was Peter. I mean, we're crazy, aren't we? We can pray all hard. We can pray believing and the answer comes and sometimes we don't believe it. I'm guilty of that. Amen? I've seen people walked in. I say, oh, come on. And I, I listen to them, and they're praising God, and I'm looking at them. Man, this thing seems, seems real. I said, Lord, last time we saw them five, six years ago, oh, my Lord. <laughs> Talking about being out there. They were out there, amen. But something happened. Whew. Jesus knows how to get a hold of people, doesn't he? And Jesus knows how to transform people, doesn't he? I mean, and we pray earnestly in the power of God. It's it's released, it's released. We got one more verse. Do I got another verse? Earnestly prayed. Early church prayed earnestly. They prayed with energy. They prayed with sincerity. They didn't just pray prayers. Amen? They they met God and they called on God. They cried out to God. I don't know, maybe I don't. I thought I did. I thought we had Ephesians. Did we have Ephesians? Ephesians 6 and 18. Ephesians 6 and 18. And again, as a believer... It's important that we are people of prayer. But you know what? Prayer a lot of times works like that oil that blesses every other effort that we have. You remember as Paul says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. 
And he says, put on the whole armor of God that you can take your stand against the strategies of the devil. Amen. He said, you can take your stand. The devil's got schemes and the devil's got strategies, but you can take your stand in Jesus' name, resist him, and he'll flee. But he says, put on the armor of God, right? The helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, truth, all right. And then he gets done with that. He says, but don't stop there. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Praying always, pray all, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. You can put on the breastplate, but don't forget to pray. Put on the helmet, don't forget to pray. You can have a sword, but don't forget to pray. Because prayer is going to make that, you know, your, um, your sword get a little rusty if you don't pray. That shield can get dry if you don't pray. Amen? But it's prayer that's going to keep all those things. All right? So let's, we call it. Father, we love you and thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement of prayer. We thank you, Father, that there is power. And we do have a holy privilege in prayer. And that by our prayers, we can see things changed in the earth. Things changed in our lives, in our families, in our communities. And Lord, we thank you for the many examples you've given us of men and women who received answers from you, whose prayers you honored, whose faith you applauded, and you put in the book so we could learn from it. Father, we pray, help us to be men and women that are walking righteousness and that will pray earnestly and persistently that we will see your kingdom come in the earth. We will see your answers break through in hearts and in lives. Father, use us to make a difference in this present hour. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. God bless you. We'll see you.